podcast, and I'm your host, Nick DeFord. We're continuing our series to introduce the 2021-2022 Artist in Residence, and today we're going to be talking with Elizabeth Belts. Elizabeth is a blacksmith, educator, and metal artist who utilizes steel to capture people's attention. Through a meticulous process involving hot metal forging and cold fabrication processes, Elizabeth is able to bring cold steel to life. She's worked in metal since 2016 and took a non-traditional educational path that was an accumulation of short workshops, a craft internship, a two-year blacksmithing apprenticeship with artist residencies and a Creative Catalyst Fellowship at the John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina. Most of our conversation is about that journey. Elizabeth has spent a lot of time going between different craft schools and having different experiences at those schools. And through all that, that's where she was able to gain the skills and experience to become a blacksmith when previously she had worked in healthcare. So you'll learn a little bit more about these schools and experiences and I'll come back at the end talking about some places you can go to learn more about the opportunities that Elizabeth had if you're interested in those as well. So please help me welcome Elizabeth Belts. I'm Elizabeth Bells. I'm a blacksmith and uh, artist educator. I'm originally from Minnesota. Um, I worked with North House Folk School up there a little bit, reestablishing their blacksmithing program. Uh, but I did officially get started in blacksmithing at Penland School of Craft. Um, and that was about 2009, 2007, actually. Yeah, I took my first blacksmithing class and it was a week long and then it was all over from there. Um, kind of tumbled down that rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, I worked in healthcare for 13 years though, um, kind of in between that class and then getting the internship at North House. And then as soon as I got that internship in 2016, I dove headfirst into blacksmithing as a full-time career. Um, I apprenticed at the National Ornamental Metal Museum uh, the last two years before coming here. Um, currently, I'm at John C. Campbell Folk School as their Creative Catalyst Fellow. Um, so I've been helping with programming and marketing here. Um, my art usually is centered around insects. I do a lot of sculptural work, uh, but I have been doing commissioned work, repair work, and some public artwork recently. Um, I'm trying to work right now with the state of Minnesota, one of their government buildings, uh, to do some public artwork for their walls. So I'm working on that project. And then... Um, yeah, I do a lot of utensils, a lot of home goods, things of that nature. So I'm kind of all over the board. What what exactly was, I mean, I feel like maybe we talked about this probably a year ago, but what was your transition? Remind me again, your, your transition from healthcare to, to arts. How did that happen? Um, so I was always into art. So I went to a school in Minnesota called Perpich Center for the Arts, and that's the high school I went to. Um, so that was 11th and 12th grade, and I did actually photography and video production. Um, so I do take pictures of all my own work usually, and that stems from that. Um, but I had a mentor while I was at that school and she kind of pushed me in the direction of Penland because I wasn't, I wasn't going the traditional route. I wasn't going to college. Mm -hmm. um, I had applied to some colleges and I had gotten in, but it wasn't the right route for me at the time. So I got out of school, took a CNA class that was a month long, got certified to be a CNA and then started doing that 
Um, and she was like, I think you really need to go check out this, this school in North Carolina. And I was like, I don't know. And I signed up for a woodworking class and she was like, well, you like wood, that might work out. And I got there and it did not, did not work out. But thankfully the blacksmithing shop was the next shop down. So I got to see it. And then I promptly signed up for a blacksmithing class while I was still there for a summer session. Well, and you, you mentioned, you know, your, your sort of history is Penland and, and North House and now John C. Campbell. So I think it's, it's pretty clear that these places, these sort of craft school experiences are pretty important to you. Uh, tell us about some of those experiences and what they've been like. Yeah, um, I would say craft schools are definitely a big part of my art background, craft background. Um, North House was wonderful. Um, my internship there was really just like figuring out exactly what I wanted to focus on. And then um, I had gone there initially for blacksmithing, but their shop wasn't quite as functional as maybe they needed it to be. So I just helped raise money for the blacksmithing shop and I helped them reset that up. And it was an amazing experience to be able to work with all the different areas of like, how to get the money we need and how to ask for the money we need and then how to actually do the research on the tools and then how to actually get people into the blacksmithing shop. So I started teaching evening classes. And then as I started at North House, that is where I started teaching. So that's how I got into that. Cause I never even, I always wanted to make art but I never thought I'd be a good teacher. So I got into that there and then bounced down to Penland and back to John C. Campbell as a work study student. And I got a lot of traditional craft background at John C. Campbell um, and definitely went back and forth between that and Penland because Penland has that more art side. So I could feed my art side and then my traditional craft side between the two folk schools I felt like. So it was a good balance and they're close together. So I could just drive back and forth. What, what is the difference between those two things? Um, I think in metalworking, there is a pretty big divide. I think it's closing in now a little bit more, especially yeah. with some really um, more famous, like with Instagram, people are able to get out a little bit more and see that there's art being created using traditional techniques. But at John C. Campbell, they definitely focus on the very traditional, like traditional joinery, traditional um, like punching holes. You're a blacksmith. You don't go to the drill press. You punch a hole there at the anvil. You don't go cut that metal with the bandsaw. You cut it with that hot cut tool. Um, and Penland is, has that traditional background because I feel like every metal worker has that like stability, like um, that foundation. And, uh, but Penland is more like, well, you wanna make that shape, go weld it together or go walk over to the drill press or go sand it on the sander. You're not, you know, hitting it with a file every two seconds or whatever. But um, I think it's always there because metal has such a rich history. So no matter what, you're gonna get some of that traditional in everyone's work, no matter what kind of metal they're doing. I feel like that's a really interesting perspective on, on how to, to think about traditional craft is a limitation on what um you can't do <laughs> or like you know I, I say that a lot when I teach embroidery um you know traditional embroidery you're not never supposed to talk tie knots on the back of your embroidery right you're supposed to like weave it back into the back of the fabric because if it was embroidery for garment then that makes total sense because you don't want knots like 
you know, all over your body. You, you kind of oh, want yeah. to be smooth. But, you know, when I teach embroidery, I'm like, ah, well, this is the traditional way to do it. But you don't have to do that. Go ahead and tie a knot. That's totally easy. Um, and so I never really thought about it that way. But, like, it's almost like a, a it's a way of, it's, it's not saying no. It's, like, creativity through a limited amount of options. You know, like, just because the option for the easier path is over there, you should still take this longer route because it will make you a better craftsperson. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely do that. And I think they encourage it or um, they foster it at John C. Campbell very heavily, the traditional side of it. So I think, um, yeah, having a balance is good. I mean, they, the artists here are also very creative, but um, yeah, I don't know. So there's just a very interesting divide between Penland and here. That's what? I, you know, I think that's one of the things, I think even in North House too, right? Like oh, I mean, yeah. North House uh, has come to visit Aramont before. I think we talked about this. They've, they've come down to visit. And so I got to know their school a little bit. I've never been there in person, but I got to know their programming in school a little bit better. And we've had some of the people who've taught there teach at Aramont. And, you know, traditional craft schools like North House uh, or, uh, yeah, traditional um, folk schools like North House and, and John C. Campbell, you know, provide a sort of, a different experience in places like Pinland and Haystack and Aramon and Anderson Ranch. And you think about all these places out there, and it's kind of a pretty broad tapestry. And as you mentioned, a way to learn something that's not that academic avenue, you know, yeah. which, which isn't always the best. It most often is not the best answer for, <laughs> for artists actually to, to necessarily find, find their way. Um, well, talk a little bit more about your insect sculptures. You mentioned it, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, people will see them online. So how did you get into to insects as a way to, to, to do your metal sculptures? Yeah, so I started doing insects. I received an artist residency through the Science Museum of Minnesota. Um, and that was it right after my internship at North House. Um, it was one of those jumping off places I went to right after. And I worked with a satellite location of the museum that's actually called Pine Needles. And uh, they allow like four artists a year to come live in this cabin right on the St. Croix River. And you work with scientists actually um, in, their, in the satellite location. And uh, you get to hang out with them and talk about what they're working on and all these crazy things. And uh, stay in this cabin and just like hang out and so I stayed in this cabin and hung out and I ended up making my first insect which was a water spider so that's actually in the science museum's collection um but that's how that's how I got started um and then it just snowballed just kind of like blacksmithing did uh it seemed it seemed like a really um expected direction for my work to go in because I was always interested in science. So working in healthcare, um, I was always going between the biology lab and the art studio in high school and in junior high. So making that transition to art, sculpture, and metalwork just seemed really natural for me to do. And then I did a winter residency at Penland last January, I was their uh, studio assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, I went up there and then my bugs started getting really crazy. So I also love the state fair. So that's like, I love it. Any state fair? 
any state fair, but Minnesota State Fair is the state fair, <laughs> not Iowa. Just saying. Uh, is so, this, well, is this a debate between Iowa and Minnesota? I have no idea that there's such heated yeah. rivalry between state fairs. Yeah, they do like a butter cow. We don't do that. We do butter bus of Queens of the Milky Way, you know, so carved butter is a big thing. Um, but I work at a newspaper museum there every year, which obviously didn't happen this year because of COVID. But um, so I started thinking about my insects in a way that I hadn't before. And I kind of went this weird freak show route. I've actually been doing a lot of research now into like freak shows and how the people were actually treated and why they were freaks or what their names were. So I started drawing these crazy insects that have super long legs and that's kind of where I fell into that. Um, so all my new insects have these insanely long legs that don't look like they should be able to hold their bodies up. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been going down that route a lot recently. And then I've been like distilling their features down to like real simple shapes and seeing what can still be identified as an insect. I think that's really interesting how people react to that, if they can tell what the insect is or if it's supposed to be an insect or. Well, how, 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 does, how does the audience or how do your viewers react to these sculptures? I imagine you get all kinds of different reactions to them. Yeah, um, I think lots of different reactions. Some people think that they're all mosquitoes. <laughs> Something to do with the long legs. Um, but I love, I had a studio mate that I had a bunch of my little mayflies out on the table and she actually yelled because she thought they were all real. She thought it was a real creature hanging out. Oh, I loved it. That was the best. Um, but yeah, I get everything from why would you make that crazy thing like a stink bug to, oh my gosh, that praying mantis is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like I, I get this weird uh, extremes on both ends. Well, and I also think like it, thinking about, I guess, animals, you know, fauna, I guess, as, as, as subject matter, you know, insects, they're different than anything else. You know, they have a real, almost like visceral reaction. You know, people, especially, I, I think, well, the insects that you've mentioned already, right? Like yeah. stink bugs and mosquitoes and praying mantises, you know, those are either like pests or predators. You know, you're not, oh, I don't know, maybe you have made like ladybugs before, like ladybugs and butterflies. But like, for the most part, when I think of the insects, and especially your insects, which are on a larger scale, like it becomes grotesque, right? It, it yeah. becomes the reason why, you know, as, 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 you know, Ron Weasley often says in Harry Potter, you know, like, I don't want spiders to be big because big spiders are, are unnatural, you know, like you don't want something to see a, 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 an insect that large. But at the same time, it's really endearing too, you know, because, you know, you're calling them bugs. And I don't know, there's something about the word bug that doesn't seem very threatening to me. A bug is nice, like a bug's life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I try and, and that's why I make them larger is I want people to see them and kind of appreciate them for what they are. Um, I, long story, but maybe I'll tell you anyway. They, I found a butterfly attached to a fan in the shop last year mm -hmm. and it was actually it had died already but it had one wing sucked into the fan and then it actually had wrapped its little proboscis around its legs to hold itself on so it wouldn't get sucked all the way in oh, wow so i feel like i'm also trying to like point out that insects aren't like this mindless creature like they're not total drones like they know what's happening they feel things they do things they you know they have they're friends with each other, they eat each other, whatever's going on. 
So I think I'm also trying to get that across in my work now too, is that insects and bugs aren't just things that are in the environment. They're actually a creature that has a brain. Well, even, I mean, again, this, this shows you how much science knowledge I have. Like when I was just about to talk earlier, I was like, you know, insects are animals. I'm like, are they animals? I'm like, I guess they are animals. Like it's yeah. been a long time since I've had any sort of biology class clearly, but I almost don't even, I, for a second there, I didn't think of them as animals. You know, I almost yeah. wanted to invent some new class, you know, sort of class system of, of life form out there besides like plants, animals, and insects, but it's not the way it is. No, yeah, and I mean, even, there's even weirder things like slime mold, which is, you know, a mushroom and kind of an animal, so there's weirder things out oh, there that are oh, just... There's always, yeah, no, totally weirder things, <laughs> and I think especially, you know, so I, so much of learning about how weird life can be is is this pandemic and, and learning more about, I was on, you know, again, multiple Zooms recently about learning more about <clears throat> the vaccine and some other things, um, and just... Uh, for uh, I think a lot of virologists right now, like they're really kind of living in, in, in a time when the common person is thinking about things that they think about all the time. Yeah. Especially with the new RNA vaccine I was just listening about today. I'm like, I don't even know. How do they even do that? You know, inventing, in, 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 putting in the, the, the directions for your body to produce this one specific protein spike. I'm like, that is unreal. Yeah. It's insane. Epidemiology is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, in, in talking about these different places, and of course your path, you know, a lot of this is also, we talked about, of course, these institutions and how they've, they've been sort of fundamental in learning, but I think it's also important to note that each one of these, besides like the facilities and, and the skills that you've learned from each of them, also prevent, you know, has, has, has opened you to lots of different communities, artist communities around the country and moving around. What's it sort of been like to, to, to move to a couple of different places and, and immerse yourself in fully in some of these um, art communities? Um, what has it been like? It's been, I love it. Um, I love that there's now more of a connection than when I started between them all too. Um, I feel like when I started jumping from folk school to folk school, there wasn't as much communication say between Aramont and John C. Campbell or Aramont sure. and you know, everyone else. And it's, yeah, um, I don't know, it's been crazy being a part of the community just at large. Like I recently went to Italy uh, for STIA, which is the National Forging Competition. And I just went, like I just got on an airplane and rented a car and then I got there and someone was screaming my name across the lawn. I didn't even know, I didn't expect anyone I knew to be there, but actually Paul Garrett was there who is the resident artist from here. So we hung out a bunch and just, being able to do things like that and you're never alone like you're never you're always being fostered I feel like no matter where I am I'll run into someone who knows someone I know or you know small small world syndrome and I think that's given me a lot of support especially being an artist in northern Minnesota because there's not a whole lot there like if I want to go to a target I have to drive two hours or I go to Canada like there's so there's not a lot up there. There's a lot of moose and there's a lot of trees and there's the lake. Um, and then there's North House. Yeah. So those are, those are the things. And I think, especially social media helps with that, but being part of North House is great too, because they know if I'm living up there at the time that they can just call me and they'll be like, hey, 
we have this opportunity to teach these kids or do this evening class that we weren't expecting. Can you like come down and teach for two hours? And you're like, heck yeah, I can. Like, I want to do that. So they're, you know, being part of those communities and them knowing you definitely helps just progress who I am as an artist and as a person, just being able to teach and opening up so many opportunities I wouldn't have had if I wasn't part of those communities. So. Yeah, you know, and I think it's even, I was talking about this with someone else before, you know, especially during the pandemic, so many arts events, you know, involve people getting together, like you mentioned, seeing people at conferences that you haven't seen. And, and this year has been incredibly lacking in that, you know, having these events and having being able to see people in, in, in person. And one of the things that I think craft as a media has that maybe sort of fine arts doesn't have, if we are going to sort of separate those two things, is that sort of sense of community, you know, you know, a, a real sense of um, getting together and sharing knowledge and, and hanging out. And hopefully we'll be back on that soon. I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, metal, metal ha definitely has that like family vibe. Like you'll be asked, I know casters, if you know anything about metal casting, I found this out because I lived with a bunch of casters at the metal museum, but they actually have a family tree online. Wow. So there are like two, I think, main people who um, started casting back up in the United States for an arts medium. And then everyone who casts now is somewhere on this tree. That's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, and I feel like blacksmithing is very much the same. Well, and I know that, and you admit, just mentioned it, but, you know, I think blacksmithing also has, besides, you know, maybe more formal conferences and things like that, blacksmithing has a lot of competitions and sort of almost like, a, almost like fairs, right? Like events, like times yeah. you get together. Talk about some of those that you've been in in the past, because I know you've been involved in a few of those. Yeah, no, they're awesome. Uh, if you ever get the opportunity to go to blacksmithing conference, they're crazy. Um, and once they know you don't know anything too, if you're just <laughs> a brand new person, they will love to tell you everything they know. Um, and they will make you hit hot metal, even if you know, they're not supposed to. They'll be like, come on, let's go. I figured that would be part of it. I was yeah. like, <laughs> yep, they'll totally get you into it. Um, but no, I've had some great experiences at conferences. Uh, the Italy conference, Stia is magical. Um, any metal worker who's a blacksmith needs to go to that conference at least once in their life. Hopefully it'll happen again. It's supposed to happen this year, but who knows? Um, there, it's just hanging out. I mean, the competitions aren't even, we're not really competing. Sure. Like, it, is it, the, it, you're it, just there to hang out really. Like that. It never really felt like it was a true competition. It, it, it felt like more of, um, I don't know what, a way to say it, like a friendly, friendly wager, you know? Yep. 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 Um, yeah. And I just competed. I was invited to compete at the Austin forging competition this last year. So I went down and did that. That one's also phenomenal. They hold it every year. It's invite only, uh, just going to watch is fun because of the community it's in. So it's not only about the competition, but it is in one of the coolest, um, communities for people who were homeless at one point. Um, it's like a tiny home community. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. But all the community members come out and none of them do metal work, like a couple maybe, but they come out to just watch, hang out, eat food, like just see what's happening, watch sparks fly. 
do all the fun stuff um and it's great i went to melbourne australia too recently um i actually got um in melbourne i offered to teach i got a grant to go so i had to find a reason to actually go to melbourne i just picked a place that i'd never been um and was like hey hey i found this festival online what are you guys doing uh i would love to teach a class or sweep something if i can come hang out with you and they were like oh yeah you want to teach awesome so i flew all the way to australia and you know just like out of the blue like these people were just like yeah come this will be fabulous and they like filled out my visa papers for me and like wow did all the like gave me a place to stay the entire month i was there and like uh put me in a class with jake james who's this crazy canadian smith who is fabulous and I taught two classes while I was there. One was uh, their very first all women's blacksmithing class. And then I taught a spoon making class and both I think filled and they were great. We got to just hang out. As soon as I walked in, they were like, hey, want a beer? I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was really great to talk to Elizabeth about her journey. You know, I always love to hear about people finding their voice in craft at craft schools. And she mentioned a lot of them. Of course, uh, Elizabeth is at Aramont now. Of course, when we recorded this, I should have said this at the beginning. Um, that conversation happened in the spring of 2021. So that's when Elizabeth was still at John C. Campbell. But Penland School of Craft, John C. Campbell Folk School, and North House Folk School are all incredible places for people to go and learn. And the communities and people that go to these, we share a lot of overlap. There's a lot of similar instructors and students, but each of our craft schools has its own unique um, community and experience. So if you haven't been to these places, I encourage you to, co- to go to those, to come to Aeromont and check it out. I'm gonna put the links to those institutions down in my show notes, as well as uh, the Pine Needles residency that Elizabeth talked about at the Science Museum of Minnesota, but also the Austin Forging competition, which I thought was particularly interesting as well. So thank you for joining us on another Aramont podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon to wrap up our Artists in Residence 2021-2022 introductions. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.